1: Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things in pop culture, sports, and history, and we trace to figure out where exactly it went off the rails. I'm joined as always by my co-host Andrew Nadeau. Andrew How you
2: doing, man? I am doing fantastic. We just filmed this episode that was so much fun. Our guest today is Moses Storm, as a comedian I've absolutely loved for years. You may have seen him on Conan or Sunnyside on NBC. And he also has great experience in this, having two Failed streaming original shows, four to niners, and youth and consequences that he tells us all about later in the episode. When you have a good time on this one? God,
1: this this episode was so insanely fun. And like halfway through, I realized that like I had watched the clips from Conan after you mentioned I, I loved his stuff. And then while we were talking, I realized he has been in like Unfriended, which is one of my favorite horror movies. And God, he's so funny. He's so funny. And it was one of those episodes where I'm just like, well, this could have been four hours if we if we didn't have an actual like parameter in time.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely this was one of my absolute favorites uh we we can't wait to have him back to talk about literally anything he wants we'll have him back
1: anytime yeah you're gonna get a lot of moses storm content from us from here on out because jesus that that was such a fun episode to record
2: it absolutely was so guys uh stick around listen to it we've got a lot of facts for you and a lot more just insane stuff that happened in tv so stick around
1: yeah let's get into it
2: Moses Storm, thank you so much for joining us. I've been a fan of yours for years. We really appreciate you coming on. Oh,
3: thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I think just prepping for this podcast or just looking up, I forgot how terrible things are.
2: Yeah, well, that's the goal of this, is to uh, briefly distract our guest and the audience. Audience, uh, you know, feel free to just think about this for an hour and do not turn this off. So we're here for you.
3: I have a vested interest in that all of my income comes from TV, so this is uh, (laughs) is very personal
1: to me. So when it comes to where it went wrong, if there's anything that starts Getting a little edgy for your career. Just a melee kick to us. We'll bomb ourselves. No one cares. No (laughs) one cares about us.
2: That's actually been a discussion. Times we've had guests on, and I was like, "By the way, I know this was bad, but I work in this industry with these people." How much can we yeah, say? here? Yeah,
3: I think yeah. Well, I'm I'm currently working on some Hewlett Packard originals. They're about thirty second dramas. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> that'd be the one conflict of interest that I can't say anything negative about Hewlett Packard. They print each frame of a TV show. They send you a free printer, and you print a frame, <laughs> and you get a flip book.
1: Halfway through the episode, you have to. To refill the ink cartridge. That's non negotiable. That's actually how they make all their money, it's a free service until the ink needs to be
2: replaced.
1: Right. The circus is free. The ink is where they get you.
2: <laughs> so, for our listeners, Moses wanted to discuss today TV. Uh, we've got some good history of, of TV and also a lot of where it went wrong. No, I mean, I think this was a fantastic subject and one that, that you're right. Obviously, you're the, the industry you're in, the the one that when and I are are trying to break into, there's a lot of cool history here, but also a lot of bad decisions.
3: Yes, a lot of bad decisions uh, and people just not learning from the mistakes of the past. And I think the, the, over then like someone trying something and being super cynical for people trying and failing at things, I think my main criticism of like where it went wrong is people just not looking at very recent history and learning from
2: right there's especially because this is a a field that is built on the shoulders of everyone before it like this is one of those things where you see this works and i mean and not just in terms of remakes and reboots but like oh wow this was a really good idea let's do this different let's do this better let's recognize that some of the early stuff here came up with you know a guidebook we could follow we
1: literally just did a cop show episode where it seemed like everything from the past like 30 years of television was just dragnet in different situations yeah (laughs) yeah which is its own thing it's
3: comforting for people just to to see a procedural that's gonna be there i mean yeah it's just about turning your brain off the problem is if like where it's going wrong and not spoiling anything is these streaming services are making it. Complicated to turn your brain on.
2: I think is an excellent uh, point, and yeah, we're going to get really into the streaming services because I thought that was—I mean, that, that was what this this whole thing was. There, there were so many mistakes there. That was a, a great idea, but we uh, want to get a little bit into the history here because when I started digging into this, guys, I, I'm not getting into film because uh, we covered that in our uh, Golden Age of Hollywood episode with with James Orbaniac, where it was just talking a lot about how much I hate Edison. So <laughs> we're going to go right to the origins of TV. What I thought was interesting here was the origins of TV were mechanical, like the first practical transmission. of of moving images over a radio system they use these rotating perforated discs like the Nifkov disc to scan a scene into a time varying signal that could then be reconstructed at the receiver into an approximation of the original image. This traces back to the 19th century like with the invention of the fax machine is when they immediately start going to like oh, okay so now we gotta do like moving pictures too.
1: I'm gonna be honest the fact that the fax machine is that old like when you send me these notes Andrew I realized that if I were dropped back in time I would do shit all with it like I can't like I can't like I know televisions exist i couldn't explain it to anybody to actually get rich off the idea and also
3: be very embarrassing to go back in time like present day because if you went back in time right now you'd have to explain what 2021 problems are and they are a pandemic you can freeze to death in your home in the south and (laughs) nazis
1: so, nothing has changed. <laughs> I mean, they'll be, actually, this is pretty old. They'd be surprised to hear about the Nazis and mostly that we thought they were bad. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I think 1921
3: is when the party was first established. So, they were just like a young upstart then.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> they had fun haircuts and, and wore shorts, and that was like their big thing.
2: No, honestly, time periods where I could make things better are extremely limited. It's like if you've got the basics of technology, I might be able to add in like, oh, you should make that mobile. That's about the most I can contribute here.
1: I could add wheels to things. And that's that's the end of where I could advance human society. Yeah. <laughs> also, nothing about sports. I would be no help of like who won in 1920.
3: I can't help you there.
2: Honestly, when you go back to <laughs> to these stories about someone who's in the right place or it goes back in time and has like, oh, no, I know this moment is going to happen. I could not tell you the moment anything happened in my own life. I could not tell you the moment anything happened. Uh, when you go back to Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, and it's like, oh, no, I know there's going to be an eclipse in five minutes. Yeah, this is no we're just we're we're all going to die if we go back in time.
3: <laughs> so do you know anything about the history of when TV was when it is mechanical? Is it this weird thing or is it seen as like a military device? Is it seen because I know streaming itself started because of the porn industry. People wanted porn to right, get out. So, so that. So what is this mechanical?
2: So this is overlapping with the development of, of film where there, there is seen as a benefit in the entertainment industry, though no one really quite knows how this is going to develop. Again, this, this Nipkov disc is basically, it's just a spinning wheel with holes in it. It's basically the reverse of a flip book. Instead of flipping the pages, you flip a disc over the pages. With a light behind it, you're getting a small flash of the image on each flash. There is not much detail in this, and there's really not too much of an idea of, of where it's going to go. It's not until 1900 that the word television is, is even... Mentioned That's by Konstantin Persky. So in 1873, they discovered the photoconductivity of selenium. And this is when they start being able to develop images better. They start trying to figure out how they can turn this into moving images. Again, at this time, we've got film starting to develop, and they want to come up with a way to make this more individual, more personalized.
1: Selenium does sound like vibranium. Can you imagine that we t- used to take selenium for granted?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, of course, selenium. And once they
3: figured that out, they knew that souls could be trapped in a little box. And that's how <laughs> TV was <made. laughs>
2: honestly this is so close to magic at the time because they are really going for like no we can do this without a big projector we can do this on an individual form and again this is because this is before digital development everything is pretty much based on these this physical rotation and let's find a way to the developments are very interesting and then in 1907 there's this development in amplification tube technology which becomes the standard in tv later on but you'd you'd asked about what they think this is going to be at the time when i started going through accounts of newscasters, people discussing television in the 1920s when they develop, a phrase that you see often, variations of, is allowing us to see great distances. The idea here was just that you could see parts of the world that you're not in.
3: Not in real time. It was just like you could see footage from a tribe in Africa.
2: Exactly. Just the ability to be beyond your neighborhood was what was so revolutionary at this time. And the idea that this could be done on a smaller scale, so you don't necessarily need to go to theaters to do it. This is when they start to see the idea of connecting the world. It's almost the same way that was discussed when you'd see sacrifices in the ancient world in lakes where they often find weaponry or valuable items. And it was because it was the one place they could see a reflection before mirrors. And it was just a view into a world other than their own. And because of that, it was revered. And early TV was taught talked about it kind of the same way. And obviously that took a very quick shift to like, okay, but also we can script this and we can blow stuff up and we're going to do that.
1: Before they are like, we can sell soap products. They were just like, this is a way that you could travel the entire world from your living room.
2: Right. Such high hopes. Okay. So after this, they start getting into the electronic designs, which again, using these, these tubes. RCA is an early adopter. They spend $50 million in like 1920s money developing electronic technology later another 70 million developing color tv by the way as soon as someone comes up with this you've got baird whose name you see all the time like two years after he comes up with the, the first transmission of an image he actually had to use dummies because the face didn't have enough contrast so he could have use painted dummies he starts working on 3d technology for tv
3: is it it's white face or it's black face dummies no,
2: just more like uh rouge and brightened face oh,
3: okay like like creepy doll faces
2: exactly yes i
1: would
3: hate for like tv is only possible because they, they put <laughs> dummies in blackface I'm like
2: no no it's horrifying but it's not offensive
1: that just makes you think of like Woody's Roundup when like old tv shows would just be marionettes and ventriloquist dummies
2: right so, no, that's how it started. So Baird comes up with this. He's the first one to get a real human face on. And
1: you said he tried to make 3D technology like two years later?
2: Two y- he's also one of the first ones to try to make color television technology, and he got pretty damn close. Baird's name you're going to see constantly in the history of television. He was also the one that he stuck with mechanical for a while. It took him a longer time to get jump onto the electronic boat and realize that's where the future was. But we would not have TV as we do without Baird. He makes the first color broadcast in 38. Then World War II. <laughs> World War II, and they halt production on everything.
1: I do love that he made the first color broadcast but no one had a television that could do it so it's just like did he
2: yes (laughs) it's
1: like it's like how like phones can put out 8k video and just you know the present year it's like well that's gonna crash my computer
2: right it's there was nobody that had it this this wasn't even close to a thing he
1: probably did the same thing with 3d now that you mentioned he's just like right look if you had a tv that could do it you're you fucking shit your brain right now you would just you would die. You would just go insane and you would kill your spouse. Yeah.
2: I did not read about him getting particularly close on the 3D technology, but he tried, and, and he he actually had ideas that were not unreasonable. But yeah, so then, then this is after World War II, this is when it really starts to boom. They start putting a lot of money into this production. Right before the war, CBS and NBC start really developing color technology. The first national color broadcast occurred on January 1st, 1950 War, which is the Tournament of Roses Parade. And it takes another 10 years before they start developing color as the standard at this point most network and early all local programming was still black and white but as soon as this hits you start getting into again the content that's the precursor to stuff we have now you, you start getting into these creative writers in a form of television that's actually a bit more recognizable develops very soon after television develops
3: so color must have been a huge huge deal Though, because it'd still like you see like old motels, and that would help people decide where they were going to stay. Like, oh, that place has color television. I'm going to ta- check no into problem. a hotel down the street just so I could watch color TV. What is that the cool guy cool. for sure cheating on his wife? Yeah, no, I just want right. to watch the show color
2: <laughs> and he's he's just going for the color TV. <laughs> Well, and they were so expensive to begin with too that it was very much this like sign of affluence that you, you had this. And and yeah, I mean it it was huge for the, the shows that could film in color too, were obviously the ones with the larger budgets to begin. And again, even in a time when most of the shows are still puppet based. Like, if you can develop a color show, it is massively impressive. I
3: would have flexed so hard in the 1920s. Like, if I had the color technology, I would have been like, oh, yeah, have you seen last night's episode of Dick Van Dyke? That purple jacket was just... (laughs) What purple jacket? Oh, you don't have it, I guess.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I guess I forgot. I was too focused on matching Dick's blue eyes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I I love, like, if you go back to, like, old episodes of I Love Lucy, they're always just just like she has very red hair like her red hair is a defining characteristic for i love lucy and that's just not in color to like way in the later seasons
2: oh yeah
1: do they bring it up like heavy handedly yeah no it's brought up all the time like she's known for it in the show but it's just like but take our word for it
2: Okay. So, yeah, no, I Love Lucy was a great example, too, of how they kind of switched the format and start... I mean, I Love Lucy is is revolutionary in the development of the sitcom and is very early into the game. It's really the 50s where you start to see this in the 40s, you you still have like, you know, Howdy Doody and Ed Sullivan, who of course, was was great. But the 50s, you got I Love Lucy, uh, Sid a show of shows, which I feel like really helped change the game in terms of comedy and variety shows.
1: I want to go back a little bit further, Andrew, because when you sent me the notes, I was shocked to find out that the first sitcom, the first like weekly show was a German thing. Oh, yeah. Like, 1935, Germany came out with the first sitcom, and that blew my fucking mind, because I would think that the sitcom was a distinctly American invention.
3: <laughs> right, especially with the canned laughter. It's no, there's no laugh track, it's
1: just people shushing each other in German. <laughs> <laughs> no! There's no laughter, there's no joy to be found in 1935 weekly German programming. I
2: actually I don't have the on details on what the show was, but yes, Germany was the first one to do the repeat method of a weekly standard show that this is going to be on at the same time on the same day every week. And I mean, but that part makes sense. It's like Germany being super tight on a schedule. It's like, oh, OK, well, that that part makes sense.
1: But yeah, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I mean, I would always assume that was an American art form. I I would assume it would be like jazz, comic books, and sitcoms would be like the American art forms. Turns out I am wrong.
2: Yeah. (laughs) We, we've got to find out what the show was, because there's a good chance it was just like one guy reading the news. <laughs> but it, oh, no, they said it was scripted. It was scripted. It was scripted. scripted. This was actually a, a, a pre-written show, which was like, yeah, go go Germany. Thanks for that. Uh, I mean, we're still using it today.
1: We're not going to root for a lot of things that happened in 1935 Germany. But yeah, comes, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll give them credit
2: that yeah was not thinking of the time period it's like honestly they had other stuff going on I'm, I'm kind of impressed they managed to get that out at the time yeah. Germany after that really downhill but there was this brief moment where it was like hey what if we uh you know what what if we just write something and act it out for half an hour each week
3: what if it started of just as a propaganda machine to just, just <laughs> slam our Jewish I- people
1: Oh, man, I took a Holocaust in film and literature in class in college, which was one of those things where we had to watch propaganda films yeah, like, yeah. throughout the year. And there was one in there that was, I watched it and I was like, guys, I know what it was. I know what it was. The main performance was fantastic. The guy, I, <laughs> like, I had to do research to justify it later. And I found out he basically played the role at gunpoint. But like, I was just like, this is the most phenomenal actor I've ever seen. And it turns out that they were just like, hey, we will kill your son if you do not play this role. Because he was like the most celebrated German actor at the time. Like they knew how to make shit. It was just for bad
2: reasons. Right. No, I mean, nobody's questioning German production (laughs) during this time period. It's just what they did with all of it. That is the huge issue. So I mean if we're gonna do honestly where it went wrong nineteen thirties Germany, we have a lot to cover. Yeah, it's where it started. It's just a
1: lot of German content though, because nineteen thirty-six was when the Summer Olympics were performed, and that was the Berlin Olympics,
2: correct? It was, and that was also, yeah, the one of the first televised sporting events too was the nineteen thirty-six Olympics. So yeah, I mean this this they were. Significant in in the developmental period of television.
3: But you make one bad mistake for ten years, and Germany forever known for that.
2: You make one
1: awful mistake. What I just gotta say, they made the, these sitcoms. They were probably they were probably trying to slide in a bunch of like pro germy pro-Nazi shit, and then like the following year, Jesse Owens just like completely wrecks them. on oh, yeah, wide television. <laughs>
2: honestly yeah i do like the idea of germany just kind of like going back and like trying to use that as come on guys but we did this we we made you we <laughs> we, we did the tv thing so let's all focus on that real quick
1: you wouldn't have one division without us <laughs>
2: <laughs> so oh wait, wait, as long as we're flashing back because we're, we're about to get into the streaming services where 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 is really the bulk of the show but i went to find the first streaming service it was in 1881 it was called theatrophone You could subscribe to this and listen to opera and theater performances over telephone lines, and this ran for 51 years, and this is considered the world's first streaming service.
3: Because you would pay a subscription, and it's when Jeffrey Katzenberg was in high school. Yeah. Okay.
2: And yeah, you've got this subscription and then it's like, yeah, you you get to listen on your telephone, which again, not everyone has at this point because this is 1881, to uh, opera and theater performances. And successful enough that it it ran, yeah, for, you know, half a century.
1: It's amazing how every idea has been done.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, very much so. So, modern streaming services began in the early 2000s. Amazon Prime in 2006, although at this time it's called Unbox.
3: Now, Amazon Prime, they they say they have all these subscriptions, but it's a lot of people that are just prime members like what what's the distinction between i want free delivery on soap versus i actually am watching stuff on amazon prime
2: (laughs) that's a really good point because i they have numbers that as number two service with 150 million subscribers but it comes free with amazon prime so, how many people are actually watching the shows on Amazon? I mean, I, honestly, I don't have numbers on that, but I feel they like they
1: don't release numbers. They don't. They don't release numbers. We have no idea.
2: Right, but I feel like they're lying.
1: Right,
3: like Netflix like would be king lying. if Netflix also sold food. If it was like you could, have you know, something for the food <laughs> delivery service via Netflix. Then you just count those as subscribers. <laughs> I think. I think by the end of this episode, we're gonna we're going to build the perfect streaming service.
2: Because you you said that, I'm like, oh my God, that is such a great idea. Yeah. Like if I could pick a show and I have food delivered that they feel matches the emotions I'm probably feeling while I'm watching this show. Right. I would sign up for that. I would waste so much money here. It's
3: like when Blockbuster started selling popcorn and and candy, it was like, oh, okay, it's all in one. And you can count those for your investors. The same subscribers that just wanted net food are also (laughs) counting. Yeah, I got my nut food here.
2: I hate how legitimately excited I am by this idea. I feel like this is the next billion dollar venture that we're developing right now.
3: Let's get on Clubhouse and start a room with some of these tech investors. Yeah.
2: We're not even going to release this episode. We don't want anyone to steal this idea. No, yeah, you sign up for
1: food. You decide you're going to binge Mad Men. They're going to send you a thing, of berman and a raw steak, and you're just like, here you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got cigarettes delivered to me. Unfiltered <laughs> <laughs> cigarettes.
3: Yeah, this, that's actually not a bad idea. You
1: watch Orange Is the New Black? They just send you something to make a shiv out of. <laughs> yeah,
3: or just prison food. You just get a Lean Cuisine.
1: Again, <laughs> <laughs> you you're like, this is awful. This is fucked up. I understand what they're saying about the prisons system now yeah. yeah
3: i mean the food is not a bad idea and then you're also yes the main thing is just getting the subscribers i don't think amazon would be able to unless they had all these other things like if you have an audible account that you're counted as a Amazon subscriber.
2: No, you're, you're right. It, it's Amazon has so much LinkedIn and the same, obviously, with their music service, which I don't know anyone that listens to it, even though I know a lot of people with Amazon Prime and it comes free with that. But it's, it's yeah, they've, they've kind of lumped everyone with Amazon Prime in, and obviously their numbers have shot up like most services have during COVID. Yeah.
3: If you were about to watch something on Amazon Prime and then a, a notification came
1: up it's like, hey, do you want popcorn and some red vines? I
2: was like, I do. I do want popcorn and red vines.
1: Right? Just a drone dropping off popcorn and red vines to your door before the movie starts. <laughs> guys, guys, we're revolutionizing the whole fucking game. Okay, we're gonna have a lot of overhead here to get this <laughs> before... <laughs>
2: But I'm surprised that doesn't exist, though, because you're right. They, they have. It's not like they're lacking stock here. It's why not set up something scheduled. I'm going to watch a movie tonight. Deliver me the stuff I want to watch this movie by 8 p.m. Yeah,
3: but I mean, it's like he said, maybe everything has already been done. So maybe this yeah. is already.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, guys, if this hasn't been done, we're. I,
3: I feel really good about this. We have one I know. piece. I know. <laughs> I think we have one, one piece of a great streaming service, and I think by talking about the mistakes of the upcoming streaming services we're about to talk to, we can build the perfect one by the end of this.
1: Yeah, we're going to revolutionize shit. We already got net food. I mean, perfect name uh, as far as throwing out bullshit in the span of 10 minutes, I think. Right. <laughs> I already see the logo. It's a cartoon net and there's like a fish in it
3: and there's like a drumstick from a chicken. Like it's perfect. This
1: is the second week in a row. I'm going to bring up the show Hannibal, but there's actually like a <laughs> whole like subculture because every episode is named after a dish. And so, like, the fans of that show would make the dish to go along with the episode. That was, like, a big part of, like, that fan subculture. Fanables is what they called themselves.
2: <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. At least I'm going to be doing this myself from now on. I'm going to be scheduling my shows and ordering a meal to match it. I like this uh, this concept. I feel like that's going to make me enjoy them both more.
3: Yeah. If I'm watching... Hannibal, I'm, like, I'm getting chitlins. I'm
1: getting pig intestines. Right. <laughs> I, I'm doing that thing where I drown a bird in wine and then eat it under a napkin <laughs>
3: to hide it from
2: God. God, that was horrifying.
1: <laughs> I'm
3: watching Matilda. I'm going to get a giant chocolate cake and watch Matilda.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that sounds amazing. But I'll be honest, I'm shocked. That Amazon Prime, I know it was called Unbox at the time, but that was the first streaming service because I always just assumed Netflix was the
2: first. So Netflix was in the form where it's actually streaming because at this time, Amazon's Unbox, when it comes out in 2006, they're competing with. Now defunct services like Simonow and Zune actually had a streaming service because these were rental services still. You paid per download. So Netflix was the first where it was subscription-based and the all-you-can-watch form. So when I found out about Unbox and started reading the reviews, they were all just, this is terrible. We don't want any of this. We have to pay per movie. We have to watch it within 24 hours. The movies are way too expensive to begin with. And one complaint I read was you can't even watch it on your iPod, which... (laughs) was a, a strangely unique complaint about watching a movie you rent on Amazon Unbox.
3: Yeah, and uh, iPads at the time could not even display that, could barely display. Right, they had that l- little
2: animal. screen. Do
1: I have a streaming service for that motherfucker?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Netflix comes up with the all-you-can-watch subscription in 2007, and then 2013, they make the advancement again with House of Cards, which is the first original show produced by a streaming service. Okay,
3: what happened to Lilyhammer, though? I thought Lilyhammer was the first streaming show of Netflix.
1: So Lilyhammer was a co-production between... Netflix and, like, a Norwegian, like, actual, like, network.
2: Okay. Okay, so House of Cards was the first solo project.
1: Yeah, House of Cards was the first, like, it's only on streaming. This is not, like, shown anywhere else. Lilyhammer was a Norwegian network and Netflix teaming up to make content. So it was the first Netflix exclusive pretty much everywhere else that wasn't Norway.
3: Okay, so people hated Lilyhammer if I remember correctly. They were just like, well, we just want to watch Sopranos and not this character that was the least interesting, but is also not from the show.
1: Do you like Sopranos? Do you like the East Street Band? Do you yeah. like Ikea? Well, then do they have the show for you?
2: <laughs> also, I was completely caught off guard by the advancement in technology here. Like they're making TVs better and better. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, like this was again before streaming services, but like TiVo came out and they're like, you can pause live TV and... I had no idea that should have been on my radar. And the same with streaming services, where I was like, I, this does not seem like an evolution of the stuff before it, like most technology. It was like, oh, we can just pause live TV and then record live TV. And now all of a sudden I can just watch all of the TV on my computer. All of this caught me off guard. I didn't see this as the future of television at all. Yeah,
3: okay. So I think the one part we're leaving out of Netflix, is streaming service, is first they were a competitor to Blockbuster. Before they even cared about Amazon, you were getting, the revolutionary thing was you were getting DVDs mailed to you.
1: Yeah, they did the mailing DVDs, and then eventually they came out with the streaming, and then they tried to go to Blockbuster, and they were like, hey, do you want to buy us for, like, a very small sum? And Blockbuster was like... No, you, you dumb motherfuckers. Why would they ever want to do that? <laughs>
2: Lily Hammer sucks. Blockbuster turned them down four times.
3: I think, I think it was just Lily Hammer that Blockbuster would have owned it. They watched one episode of Lily Hammer and they're like, no way. This is going nowhere.
1: Fuck this. There's no way you're going to ever match Blockbuster.
3: That's gotta be one of the biggest mistakes. And now the last person is like just tweeting out of irony now every time a cultural thing yeah. happens. So like, we want to starve the capital because we're out of business. Like,
2: What? (laughs) Blockbuster turned them down four times. They were losing money. They kept coming back with a pitch, and Blockbuster did not see a future in streaming at all, which was where Netflix was already headed, even when they were mailing DVDs. So Blockbuster turned them down, and Blockbuster did eventually come out with a streaming service. After Netflix cornered the market, Netflix even said... If Blockbuster came out with their model two years earlier, they would have put us out of business. They had a chance to buy us. They had a chance to put us out of business.
3: They had streaming or Blockbuster was mailing DVDs?
2: No, they, they switched to a streaming service.
3: I did not know about this at all. That's so interesting.
2: And it was, yes, they did start to mailing DVDs and then they tried a, a streaming service. But
3: they didn't have any Blockbuster originals. It was just like stuff that already exists. Right. <laughs> I would love to see that.
2: It was, yeah, it was a very weak form. And honestly, the website looked like it was made in 1998. It was a really rough copy and there were very much those guys saying like no the internet isn't going to be a thing and then it was like it is it's already a thing so then Netflix obviously shut them down Netflix had figured it out by this point Blockbuster tried could not keep up and lost everything and
3: by the time that an original show came out like House of Cards I remember at that time It was like, oh yeah, of course. It didn't seem like this crazy thing to sign up for. Everyone loved getting DVDs mailed to them. As many as you wanted was really the the hook. You had to wait, but you could get as many as you wanted for $7. And then there was already so many streaming shows that existed, of TV shows, that that, like hacky stand-up comedy of the time was like, everything's on Netflix. Even my wife's on Netflix. So (laughs) it didn't seem that crazy to launch an original show at the time. Because they had a backlog, which is a very crucial thing we should think about when we talk about every other streaming service and their success, is having a dynamite backlog. And I've never said the word dynamite in my life before.
1: (laughs) But no, 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 it's warranted. This is this warrants the first use of dynamite because like. I'm thinking when I first got Netflix was like 2010, like me, like my cousin was just like, Hey, do you want my password for this? And like back then nobody was doing streaming. So Netflix had literally everything and they could pay for it for, for literally just pennies on the dollar. I could watch every show practically in existence because not every network had Their own streaming service. Netflix had literally every show I could think of, and it was incredible. But then it just started splintering, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But at the time, it was wild.
3: Yeah, but I do think they got in early because no one knew about it. If it's like, oh, they want to put Seinfeld on the computer. It's like, no one's on the computer. Sure. Here's
2: $10.
3: Give us $10 an episode.
1: I can watch Seinfeld any minute of any day that I want to. If I just flip through channels, why would I pay? Right. For <laughs> So that's crucial.
2: That was the, the big thing, too, because if they didn't have it on Netflix, you were just waiting for it to come around again. There wasn't this competition. I mean, you know, again, maybe you were going to Blockbuster to rent it, but if it wasn't on Netflix, this, this was pretty much your only option, and, and you're right, because not only had they had this, this backlog, but they had also now introduced the concept of binge-watching. They had people locked in for 12 hours at a time. This wasn't really a thing before, because TV before, you watched whatever show was next. If you didn't like it, you turned it off.
3: For clarity's sake, when... Cost of Cards came out, all 12 episodes were immediately available,
2: day up. Exactly. Yeah, all 12 dropped at at once. They had already gotten people a little used to that idea because they were putting on old shows when people hadn't really been investing in entire seasons of old shows. So they dropped it all at once, and people were already warming up to this idea of, let me watch it all at the same time. And it obviously just hit huge. This changed the form and how people watched TV.
1: It's so wild to think about, because I'm thinking about the the year that I got Netflix, 2010, 2011. It's like my freshman year of college. And I had a vacuum cleaner box literally filled with DVDs. And it was such a, <laughs> like, it was like a prized possession. Like my college roommates, would, like knock on my door and like, think, like, can we get the box? I would bring out this box and it would go through it. I would go and buy like three for two, like used DVDs at the local video store. Like I prided myself on this collection and it literally was defunct like, a <laughs> month later when I got Netflix, which is so wild to think about. A
2: lifetime of collecting. Yeah. yeah. This
1: huge collection that, like, I really prided myself on. I had every movie I thought <laughs> that you could possibly want, and overnight, literally, that box was fucking garbage to everyone.
3: Gone. Yeah, and this whole c- CD stacking industry was gone, of, like, a DVD holders is gone. <laughs> I don't think Jared from Subway would be Jared from Subway if streaming services were Allowed back then because Jared got his success from renting out DVDs in college. This is all an origin story about Jared from Subway. Yeah,
2: tell me more about <laughs> Jared from Subway, guys. This is a very interesting no I am enraptured.
3: <laughs> so Jared would yeah he would rent out DVDs and then he would have porn as well. Of course, you know, yeah. That's how he became popular. And then him walking to give people DVDs is actually how he lost the weight and not walking to Subway. That- <laughs> this is- Fucking incredible! I love yes. this. That
2: is, it. God, I love when we have completely unexpected connections and facts. <laughs>
3: okay, so it comes out, which is also a huge gamble. If you put all that money into Kevin Spacey, who's very expensive at the time, to produce a whole episode, a whole season of television, and put it out, what if people hated it?
2: Right, because Netflix wasn't cheaping out on budget here either. They were really going all in on this, and they were, you know, developing a studio at, at the time. They they are really heavily betting that they're going to be able to make this standard that they're going to be able to become you know the equivalent of a network it's a huge risk and obviously it paid off really well but it was a huge risk at the time so
1: uh netflix explodes in popularity and then well where did it go wrong (laughs) where did netflix go wrong well i don't
3: think they're great but they have yet to turn up profit traditionally as a company?
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, Netflix is still pumping in so much money. So, no, I think Netflix did okay, but how about the streaming services that came after it? I, I think that's really where it went wrong. So what was after Netflix?
3: So that opened up the floodgates to, oh, wow, this is the new goldmine, and anyone with a brain, because Netflix became almost a verb of, of Netflix and chill, well that's Netflix it, then everyone started investing money in it. First, Amazon, which is arguably probably the most successful one that is not netflix amazon prime
2: yeah yeah it's yeah as you pointed out we don't know exact numbers but it says it's number two with 150 million netflix is just over 200 million so yeah they're they're doing well hulu's obviously still doing well it's just below 100 million
3: the trick is to hire someone that will be canceled in the future and have them be the flagship of your show so yeah (laughs) so hire kevin spacey who will be canceled hire jeffrey tambor to make transparent the most successful. <laughs> and that's
1: the secret here. If you're just a plus, you get Gina Corsino.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: that's what we need for
3: our streaming service. We need someone that's like, mm, about to get canceled. That-
2: <laughs> God, that is actually really accurate. You're right. That is consistently hit.
3: Right? Of all your, your first hit show. So, Mandalorian, probably the first hit for You're Disney right. yeah, Plus.
2: You're right. Yeah, their first original big hit. And uh, yeah, okay, so this is what we need. We just need to find the guy who is definitely going to be canceled shortly after we make it. I
1: would say it's a Shia, Shia LaBeouf, him. but he's already kind of
2: canceled. Yeah, he's LaBeouf a little too there. close he's, to the he's, edge.
1: He's already so far downhill because guess what? The other ones took us by surprise. We need in right. America's sweetheart. That with a dark past. Right. I was going to say Tom Hanks, but no, that guy's just pure wholesome.
2: No, then Tom Hanks is never going to lose it.
1: That'd be the most shocking. Yeah.
2: The the world can't handle it. He has to do it. I mean, they they need this like this linchpin good guy to hold on to.
3: Guys, I'll do it. I'll build a traditional TV (laughs) career. I'll be an investor. And then I will also purposely get canceled. For the betterment of our streaming service, I'll do it.
1: Founder and canceled spokesman <laughs> of NetFood. Yeah,
3: of NetFood.
1: Okay, great. NetFood is a reverse cannibal.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Where I want to get eaten by people. Perfect. <laughs> that, that's my fetish okay, so Netflix is killing it, and then Hulu crops up shortly after, and they had a, a very similar process to Netflix in that they had first acquired shows art shows that already existed. you could watch next day an NBC show you could watch yeah, the right. office The
1: next day model was fantastic it was free they were support they pretty much made regular television for the internet. you just can't watch it live. The first one that really fucked up was. Area. Okay,
3: what is area? Because I've never heard of this.
2: Aereo is is where it. I think it really started to go wrong. Because you're right. The, the streaming services we've discussed so far really they managed to 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 figure it out. Aereo, Ario was built on thinking they found a copyright law loophole that they didn't. <laughs> <Okay>.
3: Nathan Fielder <laughs> started Ario. Yeah, exactly.
2: So they would lease an antenna and an internet connected DVR to individual subscribers so they could watch live and recorded TV online. And Aereo made the claim that because they gave their customers their own antenna and DVR, Aereo said it was no different than a customer using their own. Like, they they sold them this and said, we're out of the loop from this point on.
1: We didn't see it. They're like cool parents. They're just like, we're just going to leave this here. And right. whatever you guys decide to do is your own business.
2: So you're right. Broadcasters were like, like fuck you, no. <laughs> They said this is the equivalent of a cable company. This is, you're the same. You have to pay rebroadcast fees. Arios lost the case and lost all of their appeals up to the Supreme Court and filed for bankruptcy in 2014. And then sold off their patents to, to DVR or to TiVo. They
3: had and to go to the Supreme Court.
2: They kept pushing. They kept saying. They kept asking for appeals, and at every level, they're like, "Guys, this is so obvious. This is not a loophole." So,
3: like, gay marriage got held up because they're like, "Well, we can't on Wednesday. We're hearing out Aereo." <laughs> <laughs> He writes, uh, can you guys do like three years from now? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Look, we we, we, we got to argue if all in the family recordings are kosher to send to people into
2: their homes. It was just the dumbest attempt and they kept it going for way too long. And then you've got the ones that are actually trying to stream a, again more individual series that they're, they're getting. And this is vid Angel Comes up with another revolutionary <laughs> design. Say that, the name again? Vid Angel
3: Okay.
2: Which is just... Is the most pornographic sounding name for, for, for what this show? Is. So this
3: is fully porn, right? What is what is? VidAngel? <laughs> it sounds like porn. What what is what is
1: VidAngel, Andrew?
2: VidAngel actually still exists, and they launched this family friendly service where they edited DVDs of mainstream movies and shows without permission to remove the sex, language, and violence.
3: It sounds like they edit porn out of porn, and it's just like the pizza delivery guy or bad dialogue. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And then leaving after, you know, they just fill in a blank screen in the middle that says and then they got married and then a blank screen with him leaving as giving her kids goodbye.
1: It's like it's like if you're watching like all the porn parodies of like movies and shows that you love, but they take out the sex scene. So you're just watching a very bad rip off of a show you right. like, which is what actually happened to me growing
3: up. My parents were very religious. They were in a failed cult. And what, anytime we well, watch.
1: Why, why are we talking about anything else other than this? <laughs>
3: unsuccessful cult. I think when I come back, we should talk about cults and where mine went wrong. Right. They had the, yes. Much A like Quibi, they had, yes. they had no subscribers, uh, no money was brought in, <laughs> and the message was very wonky. So they failed. But that means growing up, we were not allowed to watch TV. And if we were allowed to watch something like, okay, so you got to watch Star Wars, everyone watch that my parents using two vcrs would edit out any violent parts and if you edit out the violent parts of a new hope it is the most boring movie (laughs) you've ever seen a guy who looks at the sun I literally, it's just like this guy looking at the sun and then you cut to a a brown bathrobe on the ground.
2: I like that you and your parents have both come up with revolutionary video services here. Your parents created VidAngel like 20 years before they existed. I wish.
3: I wish because I'm sure VidAngel has a little bit better editing skills than my dad who forgot to edit out a fight that he had with my mom that they left the camera recording. (laughs) (laughs) So you watch A Land Before Time and then they would cut out and it was like, no, Kathy, well, you don't respect me as a man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they never fixed it. They were just like, turn that, fast forward that. Yeah. Go, L- Littlefoot's mom is dead. Just fast yeah. fast forward because she didn't respect him as a man, obviously. Didn't respect me as a man. Well, I told you I'm stressed. It usually works. I'm just stressed right now. work. What's that red dot mean? What's that red dot? You tell me what that red dot <laughs> means. There was legitimately a fight where they
3: were like, they set up a camera, like a hidden camera to be like, Santa's coming, and we caught him on, on like, hidden video. And it was just like my dad in a Santa costume loading up uh, gifts. But they had left it recording, and, and, and there was a full fight on there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is amazing. While he was dressed as
3: Santa? Yeah. While he's oh dressed like goodness. Santa. <laughs> to say if you don't respect me with a man through a synthetic beard, <laughs> nothing is funnier. Nothing is funnier. <laughs> so it was Game of War time, and then Star Wars was the was the only two movies we could watch essentially on repeat. And I hated Star Wars. Anytime someone brought it up, I was like, that boring movie? It's just like uh kind of like in the Clone Wars, like you know all the Senate scenes, it would just be that.
1: I like how people probably mentioned these to you and like the second laser swords were brought up, you were like, What the fuck are you talking about? What? <laughs> what part? What are you talking about? Is that before or after <laughs> he looks at the sun? <laughs> are you trying you trying to say the sun? You're laser right? sword. <laughs> That's the sun,
3: you idiot. Yeah. So Vid Angel <laughs> is still around and are they killing it in the Christian community? Cause there are like Christian comics you've never heard of before that sell out stadiums.
2: Actually, Vid Angel is the current production of dry bar comedy. No shit. Yeah. So so Vid Angel did survive this. So Vid Angel originally tried another unique copyright law where instead of renting these, they sold the edited DVDs to customers for $20, who then sold it back to them for 19.
3: I have a DVD. I'm DreamWorks, right? You rip off my yeah. DVD. Yeah. You sell it for $20, or I could buy back the DVD you stole from me for $19? Yes.
2: Yeah, so they're making $1 profit on each of these videos. Basically, once they buy the DVD, it's theirs. They can edit it if they want as long as they don't show it to anybody. Uh So then they sell it to someone. Now it's that person's DVD. And then they sell it back for $1 less. VidAngel makes $1. But obviously, this is not a loophole that the courts are going to abide. So Disney, Fox, Warner Brothers go after them so hard that VidAngel immediately files for-
3: Sorry, gay marriage. We got (laughs) to wait. (laughs) VidAngel
1: is going to jump the line. You guys are getting beaten in the street. Nah, just give us 10 years. (laughs) All right, sorry. We got to figure out this whole Editing Star Wars thing, and if it's cool or not.
3: (laughs) Where's that $1 going? You know, but you'll get to human rights next.
2: (laughs) No, they they hit them so hard that that VidAngel just immediately files for bankruptcy. So they don't crash and burn so hard that you know that they lose absolutely everything. The case isn't concluded until last year where they're ordered to pay 62 million, but they argue it down to 9.9. 9. But during this time, they said, okay, so we can't go after these shows. We're gonna do the exact same thing. No changes but for streaming services. They do it on Netflix and Amazon Prime. But Netflix and Amazon Prime haven't hit them for it. They said, we disagree. We don't, this is not us in any way. But we don't want to go through the lawsuit, guys. So I guess just stop.
3: You know, there's so many, There's problems. like different races don't even have basic human rights. And there's the minimum wage hasn't changed in 10 years. We can't, the fact that this, these are even going to courts is incredible. To, to just be like, hey, stop it. Stop taking my thing. Like it should end there. You stole my thing. Stop it.
1: What is the boys when edited down to like just the family friendly parts?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And actually, yeah, the the courts actually said that. They said, we're not taking this to trial. Just pay them the money. This is insane. (laughs) Pay them the money. But the bankruptcy held it up for enough years that they could make up enough to survive this big hit. And then, yeah, they started production with Dry Bar. So they are producing. So a anyone that's not familiar
3: with Dry Bar, Dry Bar has uh, special, full specials on their YouTube channel that have like millions of hits. And the way to get a Dry Bar special is you just have to be clean and nothing else. <laughs> no, you're not, it's not the best comedians, but there are very funny people that do them. And if you just don't swear or you have any sex material, you could have a special tomorrow. As a comedian. <laughs> and they shoot in Utah and you can have any set that you want. You can have like a bunch of baskets. And they will pay for your special and they'll host They'll pay it.
1: for the baskets? Will they pay for the baskets? Yes, too? they will. And you can take That's a basket incredible. home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. That's one of the perks for working for dry bars, you get to take any basket home that you want. with yes. All the edited versions of the land before time with Santa being emasculated yeah. by his wife on there.
3: And you have a Mormon audience for forever. And there's not a lot of options for Mormons. So you are essentially in this niche of comedians and you can actually make a
2: living. Yeah. Dry Bar, like Angel are both Utah based and they do have this big audience. And I, I can't hit them too hard because like a month ago, a friend wrote me and said, I host for Dry Bar. You could probably get a special with them if you want <laughs>
3: I, I'm also so. not going to hit them at all. I mean, yeah, I think it's a great path, especially because you don't, you have to go around. It's a lot better than a Comedy Central one where you, no one will ever see it. And if you can work within the confines of just being clean, one, it forces you to be a better comedian to get a laugh on your wits. And two, it's more people can watch it. They could watch it right now and not yeah. open the crashing Comedy Central app.
2: Right. <laughs> they
3: buried their specials. Oh, your special is going to premiere on Friday at 2 a.m. Right. Once. And
2: no, there there are have been some good comedians there too because there are ones that are funny and have a good set, but they just are clean or they had an opportunity to do it.
1: That's not even a but. That's just they are. They are clean they, and that's fine. Yeah. Yes. If you have
3: no prospects as a comedian, if no one's offering you to make a special, then make a self-produced special and put it on YouTube. Yeah, so you can pair with someone like Drybar, sure, but that is the best advice to not wait around for these places. Yeah,
1: the barrier for entry is not is not where it used to be. You do not have to sit around and wait for Comedy Central or HBO to give you the go ahead anymore. No,
3: I am. I currently am. But uh, that's because yeah. there's a contract. <laughs> but if there wasn't, I the special's done enough that I would, if I if that went away tomorrow, I would just self-produce one.
2: Yeah, and it's it's it is really really nice that it's something that you're able to do now. And uh, I mean, obviously, having you know large backing is a great thing. But I know some really good independently produced. I mean, Niles Abstin, who we had a few episodes back, has a fantastic "Girls Don't Twerk for Jokes" uh, album that that was independently produced.
3: And and the main thing, and bringing this back to this tangent, back to Str- Streaming service is accessibility. Why YouTube? I'm not going to make any money. That's ex- it. It is, We're at an age of content where it is a favor for anyone to watch your stuff. To people to watch Queen's Gambit is a favor. Because there's so many options, you have to make it so easy on people. The second they have to cross a paywall, they have to right. download this link, the, you're in trouble because there's a million other options. You have to make it so easy that people accidentally click on your your stuff. It's
2: you're absolutely right. It, it is so abundant, which is why also networks like like CISO failed. CISO was NBC Universal, and that was a, supposed to be a comedy centric platform.
3: And which was NBC Digital, and then they were like yes. in 2000 it was like 14 or 15,
1: 2015, I believe. Yeah.
3: Okay, so then they were like, we're going to hard pivot. We're pairing with the UCB Theater as our main like comedy force, essentially. And uh, again, they went in with a backlog of like, oh, we have a backlog. You can watch old episodes of SNL that don't hold up. There's <laughs> jokes about the Chernobyl disaster. That's what people want to watch. <laughs> you know, the Bill Clinton scandal. Let's see Dana Carvey <laughs> do the first George W. Bush.
2: And it was one of those things where it's like, oh, cool, a comedy-centric platform would be great, but also we have Comedy Central, which we is just a station, which is basically the same thing. And also, at this point, Netflix had already invested a fortune into their comedy platform. They were already churning out stand-up specials.
3: Also, nothing about the name CISO says comedy. Again, making the barrier for entry very possible. The name CISO comes from uh, you see, so you
1: watch more, is how they came up with it.
2: That is a little too complex for nobody to guess that.
1: (laughs) I never put that together, and I never was going to put that together unless I started a podcast and had a guest that was smarter than me. Just say it to my face.
3: (laughs) I, well, I went in for a meeting. I was, I had just sold a show that did not get picked up in 2015. And then I was like, you do the rounds of meetings. And then a lot of the meetings that w- was there, that was the one I was like, I don't want to go. And this is like, I have no money. I have no prospects. I have no TV credits, essentially. And I'm like, nah. And then, like, and then my, I'll never forget my representative said, like, you should go in because, yes, this company will not work out but these people will get jobs other places. So maybe they'll remember you from this one yeah. thing because it's not going to work out. And it was a huge red flag around the time because, yes, like you're saying, Netflix was a thing. So it's like, oh, yeah, Comedy Central. And you don't know them. If you know them, you're more likely to give money. You would give, you'd rather give a friend $100 than someone on the street that says, hey, give me a dollar. You you would give right. a bigger amount to someone you know. So if you don't know CISO, you have to learn this new dumb word. You can't just say NBC Digital, giant red flag. You don't know any of the shows on there. You know it's like bajillion dollar properties. Take my wife. It's like I've never heard of these shows. There's no reason for me to sign up for and pay for something I haven't watched or anyone's talking about because no one's gonna give you. And they're like it's only four ninety nine. Yeah, but that's still four ninety nine
2: right yeah that's exactly it this is 4.99 when we've got, now have enough other options that there is no reason to put this into anything unless i know it's going to be good and uh and yeah i mean they lasted they lasted a year i
1: think there's something to be said that i don't think comedy is niche enough to to have a, a, a like a streaming service dedicated it's like horror like shutter is a popular service because horror fans like that that's an outlet that is not cornered by other streaming services.
2: They're not going to get enough horror somewhere else, but you can get enough comedy. If you, you know, combine your platforms, you can find this.
3: And it had a weird business model that everyone was shaking. Like, I think if it came out now, it'd be like, absolutely not. But I remember... Anyone like because I was actively involved in, in, in development at that time of trying to get a show. Sold, so I was, had a close eye on it. I remember one time we had a meeting at UCB at the Inner Sanctum Theater, which is uh, essentially like a cafeteria that they call a theater. And the the head like developer of CISOs sat everyone down in the community. And they're like, if you guys have any ideas for TV shows, put them on the UCB message boards because we're going through those and we might pick something from there. So you would take your precious idea that you're excited about and put it up on a public message board for people talking about improv classes. And then hopefully you'll get a meeting based on that.
2: And nobody is going to steal this idea that is now you no longer have any claim to because you've posted this here. It's just (laughs) blind faith that they're going to notice this (laughs) and pick you and no one's going to steal it. <laughs>
1: it just sounded
3: like a scam.
1: It's wild because they had some good content on there too, but it just, it was never going to work. I mean, Laurie Kilmartin's jokes about my dead dad was a good special. Take My Wife, you know, season two, I think is lost to the sands of time now, but like, you know, that like it had a good enough season that people were getting enough engagement in that they were able to do a second season. I'm not sure if they ever got to release it, but... You know there were there were some good content on there. It's just it just what are you gonna do when Netflix
2: exists? A couple got picked up elsewhere. Yeah,
1: bajillion dollar properties, probably the most successful
3: show, and they had like oh real comedy people that were actually guest starring on the show. Harmon Quest, yeah,
2: yeah. Those two both managed to survive on other networks. Not many did, but but yeah.
3: It's two things: having a very weak back catalog of like you can watch SNL. In, and it's a why I yeah. worry about Peacock now of like the main driving force is you could watch The Office. It's the only place you could watch The Office unless you want to buy individual episodes on Amazon. So right. it's having a weak backlog and you it should be free. Absolutely. We could have succeeded if it had an entire year of being free.
2: Right. If you want to package it with something well-known as a, then, then yeah, but you're right. A full year of, of this, you have to introduce people to this concept.
1: And it's also a thing of spreading everything so thin because NBC had licensed everything that they would have put on that, you know, Peacock came at the right time because now they can get 30 rock back. Now they can put the office on there at the time. All those shows were tied up in licensing deals for a large period of time to all the other different streaming networks. Just like NBC was known for comedy, but they didn't have any of those classic shows available on their comedy platform.
2: Right. You're releasing, your NBC releasing CISO and you're not going to have friends in Seinfeld. What, <laughs> what are people tuning in here for? But
3: SNL, they have Monty
2: Python and <laughs> SNL, which do not those hold those up. Those two big selling points. If
3: last week's episode of SNL doesn't hold up. And we're recording right. this two days after.
2: And honestly, if, if you're going to watch Life of Brian, you already own Life of Brian.
3: <laughs> exactly. So week catalog and I think subscription, having to pay for it in the beginning is is a major red flag.
2: Yeah, no, th- 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 you're right.
1: I'm curious, is there some kind of streaming service where I can get, like, really, like, bite-sized content? That- <laughs> oh. Do you, are you a fan of terrible names like CISO?
3: Are you, a fr- are you a fan of names that came up because people just wanted to go to lunch and be done with that conversation? <laughs> and boy, do I have a tight... Ty- I don't know, Quick Bites, sure, that's fine. But Quick Quick. Bites is too easy to say. How about Quibi? Quick.
2: (laughs) Can we make it even shorter? Quibi
3: was designed (laughs) to be misspelled. Quibi, if you, if anyone's not familiar, Quibi is uh, is like if the gas station TV costs money. <laughs> you ever see those weird shows? You're pumping gas and it's like short, and you're like, "What?" And they built an entire streaming service out of it, and you didn't even get any gas. <laughs> the shows on there, some this is not. I think uh, comedian Rob Fee said this. He was like, uh, "It's like the shows. Every Quibi show is like the show." That plays on the TV treadmills of that episode of Black Mirror. Yes, fake, <laughs> fake TV shows, like you know, in, in a TV show where they like make they make fun of like hokey TV shows. That's what Quibi is. It costs four ninety nine <laughs> for ads, and then seven yeah. ninety nine if you don't want any ads. But you get ninety days free, right?
2: And yes, and the ninety days free was so not. So by the way, Quibi puts in one point eight billion dollars into developing this. They they got funding from Disney and NBC Universal Sony MGM and over 1 billion of that was spent just on commissioning original content.
3: So no backlog. Right. There's no right. backlog. There's no show you're going there to that already exists.
2: No, they have developed over 175 shows and 8500 episodes before the platform actually dropped. And this is designed to be as you said these these 10-minute, 5 to 10-minute shows except 35 were what they'd call movies in chapters, which was just a movie with the option to break after 10 minutes. (laughs) You're just releasing a movie. (laughs) So just a,
3: a buffering error notice in a movie. My favorite part is when it freezes and says, are you still watching? And okay.
1: But to make it in chapters means that you have to have an ending point every 10 minutes that will function as an episode rather than a movie. So if you watch that all the way through, that has to make almost no... Like, there's no, like, beginning, middle, end. It's all just, like, episodes of a longer... I can't wrap my head around
3: it. I don't know if you've ever watched a movie in 10-minute increments over the course of several days, but because my parents were religious, (laughs) we secretly watched Natural Born Killers, my brothers and I, and we had to watch it in five-minute increments. (laughs) And my mom was out. And it, I think we watched that movie for three and a half years.
2: You invented Quibi, too.
1: <laughs> I, I, mean, I, that's kind, I mean, I'll be honest. It's kind of like how I watched The Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> but that's designed
3: to be long. But so here's the thing. As long as YouTube exists, no short form content is ever going to be marketable. YouTube is free. Right. It's way better. It's backed by Google, which is a search engine. So if you're going to look up how to put together an Ikea shelf, you're going to the same place that you would stumble upon someone's dry bar comedy special that would come up in recommended videos, and it's free. This is why YouTube TV didn't work, like YouTube Red. It was like, hey, you know YouTube,
1: you know that's fun. You ever been watching a video and thought, wish I was paying for this?
3: (laughs) Enter YouTube Red.
1: The idea of them like also like attaching big names like Anna Kendrick and Idris Elba and all these people, like they try to hook people with like, we got these big names to do shows for us. But like, if you want Anna Kendrick content, there's hundreds of hours of it on YouTube. You do not have to pay for quick bites of her content. (laughs) Maybe
3: we could move into some of the shows on Quibi because Anna Kendrick has a show called dummy. And the premise of the yes. show is that her boyfriend or ex boyfriends sex doll comes to life and she can talk to the sex doll. And it's creepy for two reasons. One, the animation of the sex doll is so bad that it would have been <laughs> like, just go back to puppets. Go back to original TV on the Nortis disc or whatever and do a puppet. Uh, and then the, the puppet has a thing for, for young boys because the logic is that sh- the puppet is seven. The sex doll, rather, is seven years old. She goes, it's not creepy that I like that 13-year-old. Oh, I'm seven. But then she talks about, and this is a real line. she goes, are we going to get to it or what? You're going to scrape all of this, your boyfriend's tube yogurt out of my vagina. Jesus Christ. So, God,
2: that's horrifying. You know, the
3: boyfriend is having sex with essentially a seven-year-old doll, but the seven-year-old doll that's now <laughs> sentient identifies as a seven-year-old and is like, I'm seven. And I'm being fucked oh, I don't to like this. it. <laughs> and and calls sex things like child things, like my yogurt tube. Whoopsie.
2: Oh, it, it almost sounds like that John Mulaney SNL one where he, he does the uh, body swap, but focuses entirely on the sexual relationship of the kid now in the father's oh, yeah. body. Except they thought this was like, oh, this is a, a good idea. This hilarious sketch because it's so absurd. We should make this into an actual show.
1: <laughs> yes, going out to it's fake shows. It's fake shows. Not only that, but they're a fucking scheme because they're like, so you just you're working on these movies that are, you know, two or three hours or whatever, but th- like they're breaking it apart into 10 minutes. So guess what? You're getting paid for 10 minute episodes.
3: So that is a major reason behind not only the funding they were able to raise, but uh, how, how low they were able to pay for it. So the SAG rules are, if it's anything over 20 minutes, you're technically a TV show. And so you have to get paid TV show rates and full episode rates. If you do anything less than that, 10 minutes is the exact number that's a web series doesn't matter how high budget you are what big star you are you're getting paid web series new media rates so it's a whole scam to pay the actual performers less and writers less yeah, yeah. And, a, and a very tricky thing is happening with peacock now the Amber Rufflin show started as a peacock show but it's doing well or they believe in her so now they're gonna start airing it at 130 but she's still only getting paid. The streaming
2: rate, which I'm um, the Amber Revan show, she and the show are so good, uh,
1: yeah. As are the writers, I mean, Shantira
3: Jackson, oh,
2: yeah.
1: uh, when she worked at Second City when I was working there, and like she wrote some of the best stuff possible. So, the idea of her only getting paid like a fraction of what you should be is ridiculous to me. Right.
3: Yeah. It's such bad PR too. Cause they're trying to like pat themselves on the back with woke points of like, look, we have a black female host. That's actually a comedian and not Lily Singh. It's, you know, <laughs> 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 it's not that it's, so they want these woke points, but they're so blatantly disrespectful in the way that they treat the performers. And a lot of these streaming things is this wild west. And if you're not paying attention as a performer, they're always trying to screw you out of paying you the least
2: amount of money. I mean, there were exceptions to this outside of Quibi. Like if you had did for, for animated series, which were often f- two, 15 minutes, that was packaged as a half hour series and you were paid that rate. Quibi ignored that understood process here that this is going to be longer. They used it to screw over everyone that was working on making these products. But
3: Andrew, who are the media heads behind this? What visionary <laughs> media heads are behind Quibi?
2: God, Katzenberg is Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> is
3: of animation fame? What's he famous for? Yeah.
1: Like backing, like bringing Disney back, right?
2: I mean, Katzenberg, he switched over to DreamWorks, didn't he? Wasn't he one of the founders there?
1: Yeah, Katzenberg. Okay, if you want to know a quick little breakdown of Katzenberg, he left Pixar pretty much uh, in a huff. He was, he was pissed off at Pixar and he went and he started his career basically taking like things that he remembered Pixar was working on and making worse versions of them for Dreamworks it's how we ended up with ants yeah, yeah. Be about woody allen playing a neurotic ant whose best friend was patrick warbutton
2: it's not a good <laughs> <film>. <laughs> And Katzenberg, because of this move, nobody wants to work with him. So when he does Quibi, he can't get the industry connections he has. He needs the money from outside sources to try and do this on his own because nobody wants to work with Katzenberg. Or
3: just fuck with Disney of like, I'm not going to work with exactly. you because Disney is so powerful. They can have people killed. They can open a theme park in the middle of a pandemic. You know, they can right. bury <laughs> years of anti-Semitism and still keep a statue <laughs> of this guy up because so no one's gonna wanna fuck with them so I'd be like no I won't say anything bad about Disney Plus I think they're doing great over there right Right. scared (laughs) of Disney
2: For good reason. So where does he where is this
3: funding coming from?
2: So this this funding is coming from networks. They actually do have Disney funding behind this, along with NBC Universal, Sony, and MGM, but these are not the people making the films. These these he's got people behind the scenes dealing it, but the actual people that are that are going to make good quality television do not want to work with Katzenberg. He's able to get money from them, but not anybody that actually knows what they're doing on the team here.
3: So enter Meg Whitman of eBay. And then Hewlett-Packard fame. She's running the business right. side of, like, she's successfully made eBay popular, which seems like that could help Didn't do the Amazon thing, where you count your subscribers as people that are also buying used skis, right? Right. <laughs> and, then, and then she goes into Hewlett-Packard, which has never been a better time to get into printers than in 2015. She starts <laughs> at Hewlett-Packard and, I guess, just keeps them afloat until 2018 and then then is tasked with it and from what I remember there's a Wall Street Journal article that said Katzenberg and Meg Whitman's uh, working relationship was incredibly hostile and awkward
2: she almost left more than once yeah the, she's she's brought in as, as CEO and neither of them know how to do this and they are both arguing that they know how to do this
3: <laughs> and it's so much money that is involved and it's an idea that all of us that or involved in development. It's already a joke in the community before it even launches. Oh yeah, is a quibby thing. It's another thing of like I'm not meeting with them. It's a waste of time. It's never, it's never going to work. And you know, you yeah, was more apt to meet with CISO because it it hadn't it hadn't not worked yet before right. CISO. There's been plenty of things like Crackle that you know are here and gone. Uh, right, the Milk Video from. Uh, Funny or Die, they were like phone-based things. They were like, okay, yeah, but now this late in the game to be Quibi is something we all saw coming from a mile away. I wanted them to work. There was friends that had shows there where they're actually decent, and we could all just see it coming from a mile away. Yeah, so they launch when? So
2: they, they launch in April 6, 2020, two months after their launch, which means this is still in their free trial. You can get this for free And they only have 1.4 million downloads, which seems like a lot, except Disney Plus, which you had to pay for, had over 41 million in that same time period. People are not watching Quibi when they can watch it for free. And this is – and Katzenberg immediately blames the coronavirus for it.
3: So when people have nothing but time to burn on content – the problem is that <laughs> no one's watching it because we're so busy not doing anything.
1: Well, here's the thing though it's designed to only be watched on your phone. So, nobody, like, it's this is all designed to be watched in the airport while you wait for your flight. Like, that's the entire business model for this entire thing. We're <laughs> in a vaccine line. That's not, we could be in a vaccine line, you could be in a dystopian future.
3: <laughs> but doesn't the whole business model feel so pandering to you? Like every time I, I, every time they talk about millennials, which by the way, every millennial now is not a young person. That m- millennial 49 years old. It yeah. Was, uh, so it was like everyone's on their phones. It's so condescending to, to, to think about the people that are glued to their phone. They don't have no attention span that everything's going to be on the phone. It's
1: like, well, no, we like watching long form things if they're good. And not only that, if we do watch long form things, we don't want to do it on our phone because we're scrolling on our phones yeah. when the long form thing
2: plays well, on the right. PC. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they, they, despite the fact that they advertise this as 10 minute episodes, Katzenberg kept saying these aren't 10 minute shows. They're two to four hour shows broken up in 10 minutes. And it was like, so what are you for? Who who are you supposed to be for? It's
3: not a pyramid scheme. This is a half of a diamond scheme. Right. <laughs>
2: So, they say that their target audience is 18 to 34 year olds, but then they're rebooting shows that were popular with 18 to 34 year olds 20 years ago. So, they bring back singled out and punked from 1995 and 2000. Your audience is now 50 for these shows, and you're marketing to 80, 30, 34 year olds. They also released a 60 minute spinoff called 60 and 60. The median age of 60 minute viewers is 60 years old. <laughs>
3: Oh, man, 60 Minutes, the Quibi version. Just, that's what young people but like.
2: But they market this to, again, watching on your phone. This can be like YouTube. And they turn down YouTubers that want to work with them. They turn down people from Vine. They turn down TikTok, YouTube. They've got people here with 30 million viewers on YouTube that want to work with them.
3: Who have proven that they them. can make stuff in short form. Like LeBron exactly. James has not proven that he can make content that's worth his salary. Right. But David Dobrik has proven that, yes, I I know what to do with 10 minutes. Yes.
2: Every time someone came in and said, I know how to do this. I can help you. They said, no, we're going to give Anna Kendrick a sex doll.
1: We're going to trust the guy who made ants.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was just the dumbest design.
1: And instead of. Having a backlog of old content, they just kept rebooting things that people didn't care about anymore. And now I'm trying to think if I were to launch our streaming service, what's going to be uh, the backbone? What's the show that we're going to set? I like what's what do you think should be the show that we're going to be like? We got this, and we're the only streaming service that has. It? I think
3: we, we need a backlog. We have. need to we need a uh, we need to acquire something big, something that everyone's watching. But. The problem is that everything is on a streaming service. So we have to do something bold. We have to sink all of our capital into buying Game of Thrones. (laughs) It's going to clean us dry. Every friend is going to be burned for cash. Your wife's not going to talk to you. And you're going to be, there's going to be a lot of business deals that are done at gunpoint. But we need to buy mobile phones.
1: We need a show that you can only watch. Moses, that's good. I was going to go the opposite way. I was going to go the opposite way. I was going to be like, what if we got Big Wolf on campus? We're like, we're the only streaming service with Big Wolf on campus. It's got to be a show.
3: Peacock is only alive today because of the office. Yeah. And that one month that they had
1: the Harry Potter movies. So
3: yes.
2: Game of Thrones, everyone just gets delivered like the giant turkey legs. <laughs> yes. I guess this is now the staple food. That's <laughs> what we need.
1: And some mead. Uh
3: turkey legs, um, mead yeah. for net food. I think a lot of the capital we have to raise is just like the technology is barely gonna work, and the food service is gonna be the three of us <laughs> yeah. biking the different <laughs> residents, but all the money is going to just acquiring Game of Thrones. Yeah. Which you will receive in your printer as a free book. <laughs> you don't understand. No Game of Thrones can exist outside of this. We have to buy all
1: DVDs of Game of right. Thrones.
3: Anywhere <laughs> that's If
2: there is another there. source to watch Game of Thrones, it doesn't work.
1: We have to sue people making Game of Thrones fan fiction. Like we are, you cannot get Game of Thrones anywhere. Anyone that's doing a podcast about Game of Thrones
3: that plays clips, we have to pull those. We have to acquire those podcasts so we need a lot of capital a solid hit show i will be the star of
1: a game of thrones spinoff then uh, you will get canceled yes andrew you're in charge of uh, acquiring turkey legs that we can send yes. to
3: people in between my busy acting schedule i'm biking hot Turkey Different people (laughs) in Los Angeles. It's me and King Joffrey. We play brothers because every stand-up clip I have, people go, "This looks like King Joffrey had sex with Joaquin Phoenix." So we'll use that to our advantage. (laughs) I'll play King Joffrey's brother, and two months later, after the streaming service, I will get canceled. This is foolproof. Yeah, this is this is guaranteed
2: to work. Here's the thing. Still a better business plan than Quibi. <laughs>
3: Still a hundred percent. Because I think people. The other thing is that people would be rooting for us because we're the we're we're nothing. But when you put right. giant corporations like Hewlett Packard and. Jeffrey Katzenberg, it's not something you want to root for.
2: Absolutely. No, you're right. I, I don't know anybody, as you said in, in the um, movie scene, but even in, in the comedy scene where it was, we've got people that are content creators that I'm... <laughs> they sound like you're out of the comedy scene. You were the professional comedian. You were just professional enough to also do TV. Yeah. But among the, the content creator side, everyone was saying this is ridiculous. This is, there's We specialize in doing these 10-minute clips or shorter. Nobody took this seriously from the start, except for the major investors.
3: You're not filling any voice.
2: Yeah, that, that was it. This is, That was not needed in any form. And that they never had a clear idea of what their design was, too. It was, who is this for, and what is this doing that's already being done? And the answer was, we don't know, and kind of nothing. So here's one, one billion.
1: We now know how they fucked up, and how they completely ruined the great idea of quick bite content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, we do have another segment in this show called In Their Defense, where one of us has to try to defend this, you gotta give your best minute on defending what we've just shit upon for an entire hour and a half now, almost. So, Moses, you get first dibs if you want it. Okay, in, in Quibi's defense,
3: and why it needed to happen, and why we thank them, is that it served as a very good warning to everyone else. That even if you have all the money, you have all the star power, and you have all the technology, it can, it's still will not work without having the crucial things of being having enough money to be free, having a solid backlog of shows that people already know. And, you know, obviously don't put that bullshit just on your phone because no one wants to watch (laughs) things on their phone. Why why is it on their phone? Oh, because they're on their phone because their friends are engaging in things on their phones. That's why you're on it.
1: It's important to not actively shit upon your audience's intelligence. <laughs> yes. So Quibi had everything going
3: for it and it's going to it's going to warn people that th- this is not a good business model. You're too late in the game. Everything's going back to traditional cable where all these things are buying each other and acquiring it. So just be one of those things that gets acquired and don't try to start your own thing because you won't do it. It won't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they that needed to happen. This late to be like yes, don't do another Quibi.
2: Yeah, Quibi needed to be to exist to be the warning label to everyone else that's thinking yes of creating a new network as we are, uh, and we are learning from their mistakes.
3: Because I think like, HBO Max could have easily gone down that road. Because HBO Max that's was true. almost like the boy who cried streaming service because they had like HBO Family, HBO Latino, HBO Go, HBO Now. That Max seemed like it was going that way. What actually saved HBO Max was the pandemic. And that movie theaters had to close. Right. So all these movies are on HBO Max. and They also
1: have an incredible backlog because it's HBO.
3: Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. So I think, yes, in their defense, it's um, – no one will ever try to do that dumb thing again.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think that's about coverage. That is the history of TV, where it started, how it ended up here, and uh, some of the terrible streaming services where it went wrong. My favorite is still VidAngel, and you know what? They're yeah. surviving, so I guess they figured something out. And Moses, can you tell us a bit about the streaming original shows you did?
3: Yes, I did two streaming original shows. I was one of the first Hulu original show called Four to Niners, sponsored by Subway, heavily sponsored by Subway, that uh, had a guest <laughs> appearance by uh, Jared from Subway, who's been canceled for who knows why. Who knows? He's serving a life sentence. Uh, this is how I this found out about how he actually yes. lost the weight. Uh, I got to talk to him. And then the second show was a YouTube Red original, before YouTube Premium, called Youth and Consequences, which is a straight-up, like, Riverdale teen drama That lasted one season.
2: That is so perfect. So we have the insider knowledge of of how this happened. Yes. Well, Moses, thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute blast. Guys, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe. Give us five stars. It helps out so much. We also, of course, have a Patreon down in the show notes that would uh, help us keep the show going if you can subscribe. So we'll be back next week. We hope you'll join us then. And when, I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.